won't you be my neighbor? And Eric shared last week on this topic as well, and we're going to go a little bit deeper with it. And this book is something I was introduced to. Um, I was a pastor with Lynn Furrow in Pendleton. We were, um, for about 13 years, we had Wellspring, and I did it for three, three years on my own with my wife and other people that helped us, and I was able to get to go to Foursquare Pastors Conferences. And one of the conferences I went to, these guys that wrote this book were at the conference, and they were the main speakers. And when we were pastoring at Wellspring in Pendleton, my wife and I lived in a neighborhood that had 800 homes. There were brand new houses. It's called Summer Lake. And when we were there and we were doing the Wellspring Church, we did lots of outreach in the neighborhood. And my wife and I were immersed in this whole concept of ministering to your neighbor, being a missionary to your neighborhood. And we were doing block parties, we were having people in our home, uh, we were just living life with a lot of these people. Neighborhood had a pool, it had you know basketball and tennis courts, and our kids were little and a lot of the families were young, and so we had a lot of just younger families and just once you started introducing yourself and getting to know one another, it didn't take long for this to really take off. And, uh, but I've got some funny stories I'm going to tell you later, too, about some of these uh, folks in our neighborhood. But I just wanted to kind of give credit where credit was due, this book, The Missional Quest. And, you know, when you're a Christian for many years, and I grew up in church, you know, you know the, the scripture about... Love your neighbor as yourself. But when these guys came to talk, it was like, what if Jesus really meant our neighbor? Like, you know, the person that lives next door to us. And uh, quite, quite a concept. But, uh, you know, and uh, early in American history, people would, you know, they had a church in the middle of a town and Every, everything was kind of centered around the church, the neighborhoods and the houses. And people sat on their front porch. Can you believe it? They sat on their front porch. And we find ourselves now getting our car into our garage as fast as we can. Put the door down. Because <laughs> somebody might talk to us or interact with us. And boy, we got to get into our house really quickly because that's our town time. And God wants us to have that downtime. God wants us to have that time at our home and our time with our family. But if we're ignoring the people that live around us, and we don't even know their names, um, you know, God doesn't want us to live that way as Christians, and uh, we need to let our light shine. Amen? What would it be like if we really did take what Jesus said and reach our neighbors, the ones, again, that live next door? Well... When it comes to evangelism or it comes to reaching people for Jesus, we have three places. First is the place where we live. Second is where you work. You need to be a light where you work as well. We could probably do a whole sermon series on that too. Third place is cafes, coffee shops, community centers, beauty parlors, stores, bars, hangouts. You know, there's a reason why Cheers, the television show Cheers, Everybody knows your name. Well, that's why people gravitate to those places, because they want to be connected. They want to be a part of something where everybody knows their name, where they can just walk right in. Norm, yeah. But, you know, sometimes they're not understanding, you know, the fullness of what we could have if we walked in community with others, but also with Jesus. And... Um, you know, that's another story, is the third place. But uh, today I want to focus on where we live, because this would be the most logical place to start, right? Right where we live. All right, let's start right off with some scripture. Loving others begins with seeing them. You know, um, you can look at someone, but do you really see them for who they are? As I look around the room and I make eye contact with you, and I stare some of you down. What's he looking at me for? Jesus 
when he ministered to people and when he reached out to people and when he talked to people, he really looked at them. He saw them. He didn't just maybe look past them or, you know how when you meet somebody for the first time, maybe it's even at church and you forget their name as soon as you walk away and then you kind of get embarrassed by that later when you have to ask them their name again. Um, We need to really look at people for who they are. And not only that, but listening too, listening to what they have to say. Because again, there's a big difference in hearing somebody and really listening to what they have to say. And so Jesus, in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, Jesus looked at him, he looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. You know, I want to read to you a few quotes from this book. These are really uh, powerful quotes. There are no strangers here, only friends we haven't met. My wife lives that model. (laughs) She doesn't know a stranger. And when we first got together, it took me a while to get used to that boldness, you know, because I didn't do that. I didn't just, hi, you know, you go to the restaurant to get food and or you're checking out the grocery store, and, hi, Susie, how are you today? Or she would greet them, or, oh, I really like your hair. And me, I'm you know, kind of an introvert, and I'd be like, well, just, okay, dial it down some. <laughs> don't have to be so outgoing, it's okay. But, you know, that's who she was, and it just comes natural for her. Some of us are like that. We're wired like that. God gave us that gifting where we're just wired to where we just are outgoing and we can talk to people and we don't know a stranger. We just have people that are friends we haven't met yet. One way of looking at a local block or a small neighborhood is to see it as a bunch of people with problems and gifts. It's just like the church. Church is like a hospital. We have people that have needs people that are sick, people that are needing help. And I don't know about you, but I don't have it all figured out. And I have, I'm not perfect, and I, I'm still walking this journey. But the job of building community is to take the problems out of the closet and open up the gifts. How many have had that strange neighbor in your neighborhood where he never comes out of his house? When you do see him, you're like, oh, here's a... That old Harry uh, Jones guy or whoever his name is. And, oh, I, I've heard stories about him. I, I've heard that he keeps, uh, you know, uh, dead bodies in his basement. And, you know, and, you know, stories start rattling around about this guy. And, and then once you get to know him, you find out, boy, he's got all these giftings. And he's got things that he's really good at. And he wants to help people. But nobody's ever reached out to him. And there might be a reason why he doesn't come out of his house. You don't know until you... Introduce yourself and get to know him. When Jesus was asked to reduce everything in the Bible into one command, he said, love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. What if he really met our neighbor next door? What would that look like? And how do we actually love our neighbor? You know, the people who live right next door to us. Now, um, another thing I think we can all relate to is our lives move like on techno speed, right? Our minds are warped by disengagement. Many of our neighborhoods are only a collection of unconnected individuals. If you think about it, they're people just like you and I. They're people that have things that they're going through, their struggles, their disappointments. They have things that they regret. They have their opinions. But why are we afraid of them? What if they don't know Jesus and they have completely opposite opinions of us? What are we afraid of? Are we willing to be brave and allow God to help us to connect with those people and build relationship with them and get to know them? You might find out that they're a lot like you in many ways, and they may have a story that's very similar to yours. Connecting naturally seems so unnatural. At times, can be awkward too. How many have felt that sometimes when you, you know you're supposed to reach out and you go to do it and it's not always easy, right? 
feels kind of awkward, especially for those people like me that are kind of an introvert and not really, you know, it's just not natural for us. We long for connection with others. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. Every one of us, from the time we were born, we were even itty-bitty from the time where we are now, we long for connection with others. And guess what? So do your neighbors. <laughs> so do the people that live right next door to you. They're longing for connection too. Normal life should be carried out interdependently. Not independently. I almost said the wrong word. <laughs> interdependently. Okay, that means we connect with one another. Um, one day I was out mowing my yard and my neighbor over on the other side, uh, we, I hadn't even really met him yet. And he has this nice big John Deere tractor with a scoop on it and, and uh, he was mowing his grass. Well, um, we had a tree that had been cut down by Cole Hughes and the trunk was so huge that he didn't have the equipment to really truly get it all, you know, uh, completely moved out of there. And uh, he had chopped it up as best as he could, but there was still part of the stump in there. And I'm mowing around it. Next thing I know, the guy comes over with his tractor, and he just starts scooping it up and pulling it out of there. He didn't ask me or anything, but I was like, I wasn't mad or upset or anything. I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And so I turned my mower off and hopped up and you know, and, and he said, oh, I hope I didn't overstep. He goes, I saw you looking at this earlier, and I just thought I'd help you out. Awesome. <laughs> and yeah. you know what? And next thing you know, we're talking to them quite a bit, and then we're, we had them over to our home. We went over to their house, and he just had knee surgery, and so we were reaching out to them and doing whatever we could to help them. And it just started with something like that, you know? just by him doing a random act of kindness. Now, not all of us will be church planters. Um, you know, when Raymond and I left uh, New Covenant, uh, I think it, we were here for seven years, and we helped, like Eric said, plant the church. When we left, we were going to plant another church in Fishers, and then we were there for a little while, and then we connected with Lynn and planted Wellspring, we started it in our home, in that house I was telling you about in Summer Lake. We started out with just a few families. Within six months, we had 40 people in our house. And we were, Lynn's like, okay, we're going to have to figure something out here because we're not all going to be able to fit in here. And so we found another storefront. And then after we out kind of grew that, we eventually found our home that would be with us for a while. But it, it, it started out just in our home, and we were reaching out to neighbors uh, to try to just build relationship, build community. And, you know, we were having meals at our home, too, and we just started reaching out with people. And then the next thing you know, some of these neighbors wanted to connect with our church. And it wasn't anything that was forced. It was something that seemed very natural. And we didn't kind of slam them with the Bible or smack it over their head. or We didn't, you know, make them feel uncomfortable. They were just conversations that happened naturally. Well, what are all these people doing here? Well, um, well, this is our church family. We just meet once a week. You know, oh, that's cool. Where's your church? Well, it's, it's right here for now. And, you know, it seemed odd to them, but they're like, that's kind of cool. Yeah, you know, and then they came back again, and we had really good food, too. I remember one of the guys goes, hey, you know, can I make a plate with some of this stuff? This is really good. And I'm like, yeah, help yourself. Pile it up because, you know, we're not going to eat it all. And so it just was really cool to see how some of that stuff was happening naturally. But not all of us will be church planters, but we all can be neighborhood cultivators. Think of yourself as like a farmer for your neighborhood. You're cultivating the community. You're connecting. You're, you know, breaking up the ground. Every neighborhood, every house, building apartment contains people that matter and families that matter. Now, let me draw your attention to the handout. Now, hopefully you all got one. It's basically just a, a bunch of squares and there's a house right in the middle. And I made that house on uh, Word, by the way. It's, it doesn't look fancy. It just took a square and a triangle. And that's my, and I put a little 
square in the middle and make a window. But, you know, um, the, the, the house in the middle, that's your house. That's where you live. And the squares around it are basically the neighbors that live around you. And there's like eight spots. So if you don't have one, you can imagine it. We tried to put it up on the screen, but the orientation wasn't right. It didn't work. But if you can imagine, if you don't have one, it's just a, a bunch of squares. There's eight of them around you. And what was shocking in this book to me was only 10% can fill in all eight spots. So if you are the house in the middle and all the other empty spaces around you, how many people around you near your house do you actually know their name? And so, you know, you can take this home and you can start to fill this out. But like if I was to ask you to do it right now as a pop quiz, you know, I'm a teacher, so I love pop quizzes. You guys like pop quizzes? If I was to, you know, just throw this at you right now, how many of you could actually write down, um, you know, and fill in all eight spots? How many think you could do that? Raise your hand if you could do all eight spots, you know, all the families around you. That's awesome. How many could do at least five? Okay, and then how many would, would be honest and say, uh, I might know one, you know. And so that's okay, because that's why we're doing this, because we want you to get the revelation of reaching out to our neighborhood. Now, I really wanted another video there, and I sent it to the video team. So those of you back in the computer there, check your email, because there was another video I sent you. And it's uh, by a comedian, John Chris. Don't you love that video here, John Chris? <clears throat> um, I'll give him a second and I'll come back to that. But let's look at this, this scripture in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. And now it's stuck. Okay. Okay, um, Mark chapter 10, verse 21, we already read that, right? Um, yeah, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. So in churches today, and it's been around for a while, there's this trendy term of being a missional church. And the term missional uh, sometimes has become such a trendy thing that it's supposed to be about evangelism and, and reaching people with, you know, the gospel and telling people about Jesus and letting them know. It doesn't necessarily have to, has anything to do with your church attendance or, or your PR department for your church. <laughs> it's not supposed to be something that um, we take lightly. It's not something that's supposed to be a, a business model. But a lot of churches, especially your mega churches, have kind of turned the church into a business model, you know, and uh, they're trying to reach a lot of people and they're trying to get a lot of people in their doors because, again, they want uh, to share the gospel to them. But the term missional should not just be used as merely as a fresh term for outreach and evangelism, but it should be something that we're living out day to day and we should be living this missional lifestyle. Um, one of my favorite guys to listen to is Todd White. Have I ever heard of Todd White before? Um, he has a ministry called Lifestyle Christianity, and it's just lifestyle evangelism. And if you listen to any of his testimonies, he does this and lives this all the time, where it doesn't matter if he's a Walmart, it doesn't matter if he's you know, eating out, he is meeting people and he's finding out what they need, where their needs are at, and he just starts to pray with them. Sometimes he'll give them prophetic words, and sometimes he'll speak into their life, and sometimes they get healed right on the spot, right there in the middle of Walmart, and it's pretty amazing. And so that's what God wants us to do. When we talk about this concept of missional, missional doesn't just visit the neighborhood, but it moves in. You, you know, it literally, you know, is infiltrating the community. And being missional is not just evangelizing, okay? It's not just going around and knocking on the door and passing out a track and making it awkward and uncomfortable. You get to know them first, and it's doing the hard work. It's getting to know those who need to hear the message, learning the language and the cultural setting. What's the culture of the neighborhood that you live in? 
What are the people like? Finding out what it is that they need. Maybe you live in an apartment complex. What is it that's going on there where you think you might be able to reach people's uh, physical needs or felt needs? You guys get it? I don't know if they were able to get that video up. No? Okay. Oh, hey. All right. In Jeremiah... Uh, chapter 29, verse 4 through 7. I love what the Message Bible said. Um, it was, I know not everybody likes the Message Bible, and, and that's okay, but when I, when, I read, when I read certain scriptures, it gives me just a, a little different look at what the, the Bible is saying here. In Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7, this is the message from God of the angel armies, Israel's God, to all the exiles I've taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, make yourselves at home, put in gardens, and eat what grows in that country. Marry and have children, encourage your children to marry and have children so that you'll thrive in that country and not waste away. Make yourselves at home there and work for the country's welfare. Now, pray for Babylon's well-being. If things go well for Babylon, things go well for you. And if you want to think of it that way, you know, some of us say, well, I don't have time for this. And, you know, I've got so many other things on my plate. But I don't want you to think of this being one more thing on your plate. I want you to think about it being the plate. <laughs> you know, it's, it's what we do. It's where we live. It's who we're connecting with. They're people that are right next door to you. And we have to change our mindset. Instead of thinking about ourselves and looking at it from a selfish standpoint, we have to really look at it as, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus be if Jesus lived in my neighborhood? What would he be doing? And, um, you know, it's, I love this verse here. It says, Make yourselves at home there and work for the country's welfare. Pray for Babylon's well-being. If things go well for Babylon, things go well for you. So it's important that we invest in our neighborhood and make it better and be that light because when we do, it's going to make things wonderful for us and wonderful for our neighborhood. But if you just stay hidden in your house, you're never going to see any change. All right. Now, my wife, I had her proofread my, my slides and... And she goes, neighborhood miners, neighborhood miners, what's that? I go, well, hold on, you got to wait till Sunday. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and it looks kind of strange, but uh, you think of a person that's, you know, mining for gold, okay, what are they doing? They're looking for treasures, right? They're looking for giftings. And this is one of the key areas. It's not just about making cookies and taking it over to their house. That's how it starts. You know, it starts with that, and some of us, we have to take baby steps with this, because we're like, whoa, 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 hey, hey, you know, you're talking about eight, eight people around my house, I don't know, I mean, I'll talk to one, but, you know, you've got to take baby steps. For some of us, this is, you know, it's kind of difficult, but what eventually would like to happen is that, you know, your light would shine in such a way that you're um, looking for the giftings that these people have, and what it becomes contagious. Whether they're a Christian or not, that guy across the street from me, he saw I had a need, and he stepped in. Now, in our culture today, you don't, you don't see that a lot, very much, you know. But what we're hoping to do is, you know, that these other people in our neighborhood, as you get to know them, and as you, you, know, you can take this handout home, and you can look at the questions at the bottom, and you can start finding out some things about your, you know, you don't want to be weird about it, though. You don't want to show up at their door with a survey. Huh, hello, I'm, I'm Chris Culver. I live next door. And um, just wanted to ask you a few questions. Is that okay? Um, so, are you a Christian? You know, making him feel weird and uncomfortable. You don't want to do that. You want him just, again, to be natural. I wouldn't even say necessarily go to their house and knock on the door. Hello, <laughs> I'm your neighbor. I mean, if you want to take them some food or something like that to be nice. But some people even kind of might be weirded out by that. Okay, um, why are you giving me this? <laughs> and again, it feels unnatural. I mean, maybe if you go on a walk in your neighborhood and you catch them outside, you can stop and talk to them. 
And sometimes it can start as simple as that. But what we're trying to do is look for these treasures that live in your neighborhood and look for their gifting. So we become like miners. You know, we're looking for what those things, those giftings those people have. And so this scripture, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, you are the light of Christ to the world. You are like Jesus. <laughs> we, you know, we bear his name. We're Christians. And we are uh, Jesus to our neighborhood. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that you may see your good deeds and moral excellence, and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So as we let our light shine, we're not ashamed of it. We're not trying to get into our garage as fast as we can and shut the garage door. And, you know, you've maybe lived in your neighborhood for 10 years, and if I asked your neighbors, hey, you know that person living next there? No, you know, I've never come, seen them come out of their house much. And so we can be just as guilty of just hiding in our homes. But we want to let our light shine, right? Amen? And I'll let you know something. As I speak, I love it when you guys go, yeah, amen, that's great, okay? So if you feel like doing that, that really helps me out. Helps me like, yeah, I keep going, okay? Yes, that's right. Because, you know, when you preach to a crowd and they're going, crickets, crickets, and you're looking at your phone, is he done yet? Is this, why, did, why did they let this guy speak? So, okay. I'm, I promise you we're getting close to the end. God has chosen the church to be his instruments, okay? So think of yourself as an instrument or a tool of witness to a fallen world. An instrument of love that reaches out with his kindness and joy and compassion and mercy. And you know what? Every person, whether they're a Christian or not, they need these things. Kindness, joy, compassion, and mercy. And then if you do things for them, you might notice that they might start crying and go, Why are you doing this? I don't understand. Why, why are you doing this? <laughs> And, you know, then that's where you can maybe start that conversation. As God's missionary people, we're his sent ones. Amen? We're his sent ones. We have to ask questions to ourselves. So one of the first questions I'd like you to ask yourself is, how would a missionary live on my street? You know, we have missionaries that we support. And we know that's what they do, right? If you, have, if you know somebody that's a missionary and they move to another country, well, they're a missionary. That, of course, that's what they do. And they get support from a church, and, you know, and they get their, their finances met through other organizations that help support them, and that's what they do. But me, I'm, I mean, I'm not a missionary, but I want you to think about what if a missionary lived in your neighborhood or what if Jesus lived in your neighborhood? What would that look like on your street? How would they be interacting with people? What would he or she notice is missing in your neighborhood? So that's where you need to do is as you go around, you find out what are some things that are missing? What are the needs that are happening or that need to, you know, to be those gaps in our neighborhoods that need to be filled? What um, or who are the poor? Who are the marginalized and hurting in our midst? There are people in your neighborhood, people next door to you that are hurting and they're poor and they they need your help, not just poor financially, but they may be poor in spirit. They may be poor as far as their mental health. Whatever their needs are, they need people like us to, to reach them. In what ways would my neighborhood be different if God's kingdom came here as it is in heaven? And um, I love to listen to Bill Johnson. My daughter's doing finishing up her first year at Bethel. And one of the things that Bill Johnson preaches a lot about is that we would pray that the kingdom come and be among us and even dwell with us. So thy kingdom come right here. So the, basically having heaven right here on earth and we see lives change, people healed, people set free in our neighborhoods and the kingdom comes right here as it is in heaven. 
what would, God, what would good news be for my neighbors right here? So think about that. What is something, and it doesn't have to be the, the gospel right away. You know, good news might be chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> hey, this is good news. They might be like, so are you poisoning me? What's going on? Why are you doing this? No, 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 no. We're, we love, you know, we just want to get to know you. So, but you know, our culture has changed so much in our country that that used to be something that was normal. Like people visited people's homes and people sat on their front porch and people would talk and hang out and people would bake a pie and take it over to somebody's house. Or if they saw someone in need, they would, they would do that. And it was happening all the time. I remember growing up and we kind of lived in a rural area and, you know, my grandparents lived down the road, my aunt and uncle lived down the road, and my friend Chad and they, we all had all this massive farmland. And, you know, that was our playground. And those fields and all that stuff now, they're filled with, you know, Fisher's Elementary and all these different schools and things. But we used to ride our four-wheelers in these neighborhoods and in these fields. And, you know, my dad, though, was always willing to help people when they were in need that lived around us. People would get their cars stuck in the snow. He didn't just drive by and go, good luck with that. <laughs> He'd stop and help them. He had this really cool Jeep truck that he was proud of. It had a Golden Eagle on the top, and it was four-wheel drive, and he had chains in the back of his truck, and so he was just looking for an opportunity to pull somebody out, you know, because it was like, I thought it was cool too. Let's chain us up and pull them out of the snow. You know, I lived through the winter, was it 78? Yeah, I was there, but I was little, and I remember, you know, playing and all that, and how, you know, gigantic all the snow was, and there were people that had needs, and we were reaching out to them. My dad would buy tires for people because he worked for Firestone, and he didn't tell, he didn't talk about it. He would do it, you know, for people that were in the church, but he would also do it for neighborhood people. He had a discount, and, you know, he, if he saw that, wow, because I would always see him go over to people's cars, and he would look at their tires, and I'm like, why is he doing that? And then he would put his hands on it, and I asked him later, I said, what are you doing? And he goes, well, I'm checking to see what their shape their tires are in, because he would notice stuff like that, and if they're bald, and he knew they didn't have a lot of money, he could get a great discount, and he would just bless them, but he wouldn't talk about it. And I didn't even know about it many times. And then somebody would, you know, your dad bought me tires. Wow, okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, that's great, you know. Doing stuff like that for people around you can mean, again, it just breaks the ice. And it can cause people to go, why are you doing this again? <laughs> are you crazy? What's going on? <clears throat> and we already read that and that. All right. Huh, I'm missing some slides. Yeah, I, well, actually I went full circle. <laughs> and then now, I'll go forward again. Oh, oh hey, what, what in the heck? I'm <laughs> guest speaker February 5th. I've uh, really messed things up here. <laughs> Yahweh. <laughs> oh, there we go. I'll slow down. Maybe I'm pushing it too fast. All right. We are also called to make our community livable, right? And so there's maybe physical things and changes in the neighborhood that you can help out with, you know, and take part of. Again, that's that whole thing of, like, it, your community, if it looks good, it's going to help you out, but it's going to help everyone out. Because you want to live in a place, and everybody does, where they're proud of it and it looks nice. So it can start with stuff like that with connecting with your neighbors and doing things in your neighborhood that needs to be changed. Isaiah 58, 12 says, Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls. Would you like to be a repairer of broken walls in your neighborhood? A restorer of streets with dwellings. Wow. You know, this, this stuff is in the Word, but yet we read it and we, we've seen it before, but we're not living it. And so God wants us to live this. We are called to make our community livable. <clears throat> now, we are called to make, again, community livable. What's in your mind? So when you're looking at your neighborhood, what is the things that come through in your heart and your mind about where you live? 
What's in your hands? What are you gifted with? You know, I don't think anybody would want me helping them fix their car. <laughs> I would probably, I don't know much about that. And so, you know, I rely on other friends that are smarter than me in that area, like Mike Tower, you know. <laughs> Mike has helped me out a lot with different things like that. And, you know, he has a gifting with that, and he loves doing that. And I'm sure that if there are people in your neighborhood, though, that have something that they need that you could do to help them. And you have to figure out what's in your mind, what's in your heart, what's in your hands, what are the giftings you have. Are you willing to teach what you know and share what you have? You could teach and help a person. Maybe there's an elderly person, instead of driving by their house and go, why is there bushes and all their stuff overgrown? Boy, these people, I just don't, we need to get them out of the neighborhood. <laughs> they just need to act better. What's this, you know? And God doesn't want us to do that. We would be better to stop and find out why, what's going on with their house. Maybe they, they can't get out and trim their bushes and mow their grass. And I know it's, it takes time to do that, but we have to be able to see what those needs are and be willing to meet them. What is it? Maybe there's something you know, and you again, you have training in that you can help people with. So we have to look for every opportunity we can find to intermingle our lives and activity with non-Christ followers. And, you know, not just non-Christ followers, but everyone, really. I mean, we're doing it with our church families. We're doing it with our individuals in our church. We're doing it with our own families. But we have to take it a step further and think about there are people that are lost and don't know Jesus and you know, the bottom line is they're going to hell if they don't know Jesus. And we have to be that, that lifeboat for them. We have to be that life preserver to help them. And again, we can't be weird about it. We can't be uh, making it awkward and strange because people have had so much of that and it jammed down their throat and, and just people being, you know, too aggressive or, you know, just start out with simple things. What is it that they might need or need help with? Um, before we do our action plan, I'm going to hide that for a moment. Um, I want you to just to consider a few things. Consider, you know, hosting an event. Uh, as I told you, when we were in Summer Lake, we decided to, our, the neighbor or the street that we lived on was Constellation Drive. And so we just decided to focus on all the people that lived on Constellation Drive. And so we created a flyer and we went down to each house and we said, we're having a cookout in our backyard. Oh, that sounds cool. And most of the families were new to the neighborhood too, so that made it a nice easy way because we want to get to know you. It didn't seem weird because we were all new, and so it just made sense. And there, almost all of them came. The next thing I know, my whole backyard is filled with people, and we're just cooking out. Um, you'll be surprised at how many neighbors might attend something like that. Well, maybe you don't have the means to have them over your house. Maybe you don't live in a house. Maybe you live in a small apartment. Um, you can maybe go to have coffee with them. You know, take them out to dinner or something. Maybe make them some cookies or do something like that. Whatever it is that you have the ability to do, do that. But again, if you're doing this on a regular basis, it can start to really make an impact and make a difference. I know um, when we moved into our new neighborhood in Springport, Rob and Heidi did that in their neighborhood. They uh, put out flyers and people's, in, and they did it with the whole neighborhood. And we had a big cookout at their house and met a lot of the new families. Now, we need to kind of keep doing that. That's why this message and these messages and what, you know, even Joel shared and Eric, it's caused me to go, you know, I need to get back to that. But we all have, again, the weird neighbor or things that maybe don't always go the way we think they're supposed to. And you have to have boundaries and you have to have balance in this. I'd like to share for, with you a few of the funny stories that happened because um, we were immersed in this. We were doing this on a regular basis, and then, you know, the, we had people buying into it, and they were really, you know, enjoying it so much so that we felt like we didn't have any family time sometimes because people were always coming over. And, 
And in fact, one day I got home from school, and I was upstairs using the bathroom. And I'm in my own house. No one's there, and I'm using the bathroom. I didn't bother to shut the bathroom door because I'm in my house. I'm by myself. And one of the neighbor ladies knocks on the door, and I could hear her kind of saying our names outside, and she kept knocking on the door, and then she just let herself in. And I'm sitting on the bathroom and going, what am I going to do? Is she going to come upstairs? What's, what's happening here? <laughs> and so that was something where we needed to set a boundary with her. Hey, we love having you over, and we appreciate doing things with you, but you know, we really would appreciate if no one answers the door, maybe don't let yourself in because... <laughs> You know, I might be in my underwear. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a funny story. And then another one was a lady across the street. Uh, she saw us come home, and we popped our trunk open. We had a trunk full of groceries, and she comes, you know, running over and greets us. Hey, how you doing? And then she helps us get the groceries out, and she takes them inside, and she just grabs, starts grabbing the chips, and she opens them up and starts helping herself. <laughs> And then another time when she came over, uh, she saw we were cooking spaghetti, you know, sauce and stuff on the stove. And she was like, what are you cooking? Well, we're going to have spaghetti. Oh, and she just takes the spoon and starts eating out of the... And we were like, okay, yeah, help yourself. Uh, would you like a plate? <laughs> we'll get you a fork, too, and a napkin. Have a seat. So... Uh, one time we were sitting in our house, we had sat down to dinner, and little girl's looking through the window. Right there by the table, we're going, and my, you know, Elena was little at that time, and Asher, and Elena goes, Dad, why is the girl staring at us in the window? I'm like, well, I think she probably wants to play with you guys. She's just waiting for you to get done. We just kind of waved at her. And uh, we, again, had to talk to her about, hey, you know, just if you want to play, just ring the doorbell. You don't have to stare through our windows. One night, I was doing bills, I had all my bills spread out, it was probably about midnight, and, you know, I'm going through everything, and just paying all the bills, writing checks, and all of a sudden, I hear this bang, bang, bang on the window, next, right in the living room, I'm like, oh, it's midnight, I'm like, what's going on? I look over, and she's, this lady's waving at me, and she goes, is Rama still up? And I'm like, no, she's not up right now, uh, why don't you come around the door, and I'll talk to you, so... Again, we had to just set some boundaries because we were immersed in this and we had opened our home. And as far as some of the people were concerned, that meant 24-7. And so it was healthy for us to just set some boundaries, but again, not cutting it off. And I'm not saying any of this stuff to scare you away from doing evangelism in your neighborhood, but sometimes you have to have some boundaries and good balance. So take that to heart. Um, now, I want to share one last story with you, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, there was a lady that lived in her apartment complex, and her pastor had just shared this whole sermon just like this. Just like you heard from Joel and Pastor Eric last week, similar message about reaching their neighborhood. And she was like, she went up to the pastor and she said, I don't know what I could you know, bring to my apartment complex. I'm on a limited budget. I live by myself. She's like... I don't really have a lot. And she goes, what should I do? And he said, well, start praying and asking God, what good news can you bring your neighbors? She went home, she started praying about it, and she realized that there were a lot of children who lived in her apartment complex. And these kids would hang out on the front step of the neighborhood every morning, waiting on the bus to come. And so she decided, I'm going to make muffins for them. I'll make blueberry muffins. And so there was probably about five kids there hanging out the step that day. She gives them all a muffin. They were like, oh, why, you, you know, they, they just gobbled them up. And so she did it the next day. And then she did it again the next day. And all of a sudden, within a few days, that number of kids doubled <laughs> for some reason. There were like 10 or 12 kids now hanging out the door. And one of the kids whispered, yeah, yeah, she's the one. You get free muffins. She's giving free muffins. And so they're spreading the word. And yeah, this is the lady I was telling you about. And so she just continues to make muffins for these kids. Well, one day the department manager shows up at her house. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, um, I live in, you know, apartment number 20. Uh, what's, what's the problem, sir? And he goes, well, we wanted to talk to you. Are you the one that's making the muffins for all these kids? 
And she was like, yeah, I mean, I hope it was okay. I, didn't, I wasn't trying to do anything. Oh, no. We've been doing some research, and we found out that all of the uh, things like broken windows and vandalism and all these different things that some of these kids have been doing, it's it kind of disappeared. And we were trying to think, what's going on? Why are these things not happening anymore, you know? And it's saving them a lot of money because they don't have to fix the windows and the broken stuff that these kids were doing. And so they said, we love what you're doing. Keep doing it. In fact, we heard that you're kind of on a fixed income and that you're, you know, single and you live by yourself and, you know, just we would like to start paying you to help you with this. So what we're going to do is we're going to pay for your rent and you're going to get free rent and we'll take care of your rent as long as you keep making those muffins. <laughs> and so she changed her world, her changed her neighborhood by just, you know, reaching out to those kids, and it started with something simple like making muffins. Now, man, don't you just love it? It's like a band director when he says one more time, and you know he doesn't really mean it. Well, the pastor says, I'm almost done. I have one more story because I'm like looking at this one going, oh, I got to tell this one. Um, we at Wellspring, it was when I had started taking over as the pastor, and I was like, we're going to do the Pendleton Christmas Parade this year. And we're going to, you know, just walk through the parade. And I'm, we made all these little handbills that said Wellspring on them. And we were going to, you know, just walk through the parade. I've got my friend of mine here, Linda and Will Anna. They were in the parade with us. And we just thought this was going to be a lot of fun. And if you haven't ever been to Christmas in Pendleton, it's a blast. I mean, they throw these fake snowballs and there's all these vendors. And, well, they have a parade in the morning. And so this is going to be a great outreach for our church. We're going to do this parade. Well... We're walking through the parade, and I'm handing out handbills, and I noticed some of the people were like, they would throw them on the ground once they'd walk off. I'm like, and so one of them, I, I grabbed it, and I tapped the guy on the shoulder. I go, hey, you dropped this. And I, I, and I saw him throw it on the ground, but I was like, hey, you, you know, you dropped your handbill about Wellspring, 10 a.m., Sunday. And I just, it started hitting me like, I don't think this is turning out the way I thought it would. And as we're going through the parade, you know, I'm trying not to get depressed about it. I'm like, you know what? If even if we reach one person, that's going to be great. But then this lady is like flagging me down. Chris, Chris. She's on the side of the road, you know, watching the parade. And I go, yeah, what's going on? And I was like, oh, hey. And it was one of my neighbors. And my wife was on the Homeowners Association. Now, if you really want to be an evangelist for your neighborhood, join the Homeowners Association. It's a blast. Right, Rama? <laughs> And so she's on the Homeowners Association. Well, they had a Halloween party, you know, right before Christmas in the fall. And this lady could not find her trash can. They had all, a bunch of them had brought their trash cans and somebody had taken hers. And Raymond goes, just take mine. The lady's like, no, no, I'm not going to take her trash can. She goes, it's okay, just take our trash can. Raymond was wanting to get home anyway and we were trying to clean up and it was just something simple. She could just help this lady, just take my trash can. Well, that lady was in the, you know, on the side of the street. She's getting my attention, and she said, uh, I was so excited to see you and your wife in the parade. And then she said, your wife was such a blessing to me. She goes, she gave me her trash can. And I'm going to cry now because I just couldn't believe. Here I thought it was all about the parade, you know. And hey, here's our flyer. Here's our church. And look at us. And it really wasn't about that. And God just hit me right in that moment and said, it's about reaching your neighborhood. It's about the small things. Giving some lady your trash can. And, you know, that blessed her more. And that was probably the most exciting thing that happened in the parade was that lady <laughs> telling me that my wife had given her her trash can. And so it just really opened things up. And then that's when we started preaching this same thing at Wellspring because we wanted the people in our church to get this vision and this revelation, just like we want you to this morning. And so let's look at our action plan. So this week, we'd like you to take an opportunity this week to go deeper with those neighbors you have been reaching out to these past couple of weeks. And so take the form I gave you. If you need a copy, let me or Tom know. We can make you one, and we can get you a copy of that. Take the form home and see if you can answer the questions about a few of the neighbors that live around you. Also, number two, pick at least one or two neighbors this week to invite to your house or out for a meal. 
And again, like I said, you may not be able to have them in your home, but maybe you could do something else outside your home. Number three, spring is coming. Actually, spring is here. We don't know it yet, but it is here, I promise you. Plan a cookout, a block party, or just take your neighbor out for coffee to build more relationship. And number four, start identifying your skills that you can use to help your neighborhood and discovering the skills of your neighbors as well. Because if you become this awesome team, you're going to change your neighborhood. You're going to change the landscape. And, you know, within a year or two, you're going to look back on that place and it's going to be amazing all because you took a step of faith to reach people that you didn't know. And then lastly, whoop, that's not it. Sorry, I was going backwards again. Here's our here journal. Read Acts chapter 16 and memorize Psalm 1111. 1111. I thought that was pretty cool. So let's stand. Oh, thank you guys, and it's just been an awesome time to, to share with you. It's been a lot of fun, and I appreciate just every one of you. And as we've been here for a little while now, we want to get to know you, and we want to, you know, just let you know that, you know, there's nothing weird about us. We would love to <laughs> get to know you because, you know, we're just like you guys. We're struggling through this life, finding our place figuring out our journey, finding our destiny, just like you. And there are people around you that live right next to you that are waiting for you to love on them and waiting for you to reach out to them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much, God, for what you're doing in this place. All the things that Eric mentioned, all the great things that are starting to happen, all these uh, small flames that are starting to take off and these different things that are happening within our church. God, I pray that if we didn't get anything else from my message today, that we got this thing that we need to be a light in our neighborhood, in our workplace, in our home. God, may we not hide our light. May we let our light shine. May we let our light illuminate our neighborhood and our loved ones and our families, everybody we're in contact with, God. I pray that we would be Jesus to those that need you. And God, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. And may this message go deep and that would be something that we would walk out. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.